0: Hello ladies and gents welcome to Magpies Unrestricted where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host Chris Simpson and joining me as always is Cara Thistlethwaite. Hello. And yeah, we're just going to give a bit of a roundup of the news from the last uh, couple of weeks ahead of the season starting in a couple of weeks'
1: time. Yeah, and as we all expected, obviously transfer news is hot.
0: Yes, we'll, we'll be getting to the <laughs> complete lack of transfer news uh, pretty shortly. I think there's only really one place to start, and it's it's something that we haven't talked too much about on the pod because, I mean, frankly, it's very tiresome. It is boring. And as we've said many a time, what, what, this takeover is either going to happen or it's not. We've been here so many times with Mike Ashley. It's not something we want to get into the weeds of too often, but I, I feel like it was worth giving this a mention. And this, of course, as I'm sure you've heard, if you're following this story at all, Uh, in the last couple of weeks is that Newcastle's arbitration proceedings against the Premier League regarding last year's failed takeover have of course been adjourned until early next year um, and I'm quoting here uh, due to issues with the disclosure of evidence
1: Doesn't that mean there is no evidence (laughs) and so we need another year to make said evidence I'm pretty certain that's what that means I'm, I'm not
0: even really sure
1: I think the real answer is, we just don't care, just get on with it, is, is the real answer. <laughs> I mean, what, what it
0: essentially means is this arbitration being delayed, it, it effectively guarantees that Mike Ashley is going to be around for at least another season, which to be honest, shouldn't really come as a surprise to anyone.
1: No, we all knew that he wasn't exactly making Newcastle the club that people will want to buy and is never going to offer a decent price. Um, so, unfortunately, yeah, I think I think you're going to be stuck with him for a long time.
0: Well, look, I mean, the, well, so, uh, let's be real. the Saudis <laughs> and Amanda Staveley, we know they remain interested. And I think once this goes through, I think it's something that they do still want to potentially do in the future. But, yeah, at, at the very least, that's going to be next year at the earliest at this point, which, again, we shouldn't be surprised again. We've been here before so many times. But I'm just, I'm just going to read out a quick statement from the Newcastle United Supporters Trust, uh, you know, basically on what happened. And they said, as you may have already seen, that in our view, it's unacceptable that Newcastle United has been left in a state of limbo for 15 months by the Premier League's opacity regarding the owner and director's test and what actually happened last summer. Another delay of at least six months reinforces the need for clarity across all aspects of this situation. And in the scenario where the owner, the buyer and the majority of the Newcastle United fan base want the deal to proceed, we're disappointed to see that further obfuscation is taking place. We believe that this entire saga emphasises the need for fundamental reform of football governance in the UK. And Newcastle United and our fans continue to be let down by people in positions of power. We deserve better. Now, I mean, from my point of view, I am in the minority of Newcastle fans who, as much as I would love, love to be rid of Mike Ashley, I'm not so keen to jump in bed with the Saudis. I'm starting to make my peace with the fact that it it might happen eventually, though, as we've just said, not for another year at least anyway. But yeah, personally, I I don't really want us to go and jump in bed with them. But I do have to say, it is pretty ridiculous that the situation is dragging on this long. And...
1: I mean, it's going to affect... The club, obviously, the, the managers because and the coaching staff, because if a new owner comes in, that's effectively going to be a clean slate. You can see that quite easily happening. A whole new team will probably be brought in. The morale, which we spoke about with the players last year, probably isn't going to be great this year, A, among players, but also among the, the actual coaching staff and, and all the higher-ups in that clubhouse, as it were, so... It is it is going to start taking its toll on people, fans alike as well.
0: Yeah, very much so. I mean look, I mean, as we all know, as long as my cash in charge, Newcastle are effectively in limbo anyway. But this whole uncertainty about the takeover one way or another kind of just dials that up to eleven, as you've said. And as we hinted at before about the complete lack of transfer news, I mean the, the headline there being Newcastle, it's we're recording this on the second of August, listeners. And, well, I'll admit I haven't looked at the news today. You don't need to. But Newcastle <laughs> still haven't signed anyone. The season starts in less than two weeks and we haven't even brought a single loan signing in, let alone a permanent signing.
1: And you've only got your third
0: goalkeeper. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. It, you know, it, We can already sort of predict these excuses from Mike Ashley when inevitably the, the window closes and we've barely done anything. Because it'll be, oh well, you know, the takeover would have happened, so but that's surely, why we didn't spend any money.
1: But surely buying new players and making your I suppose what do you call it, possession seem more attractable. Uh, attractable? attractive, Attractive. <laughs> more to, sort of, yeah, more saleable assets, I guess. Yeah, I yeah, say, to, yeah, to potential buyers. Surely you'd still want to do that. It's not that he's not gonna make money back on it because we all know he's trying to sell Newcastle for more than than he bought it for originally, obviously, but more than it, it should probably be worth. And I don't mean that in a negative turn to to Newcastle Football Club at all, but I, I just think that it is in a bit of a sad state of affairs and it's going to need a lot of work to bring Newcastle back up to the club that it should be.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the thing with Mike, actually. For a man of his supposed business acumen, one... One lesson that he still just does not seem to have learned when it comes to football in Newcastle is you have to speculate to accumulate. If, If you don't keep investing in the team, then not only are you not going to move up the table, which we know he isn't too bothered about anyway. He just wants to keep us in the league. But at the end of the day, if you're barely doing anything every summer, as we've seen twice before, eventually that's going to catch up with you and you're going to go down. I mean, well, it's like the the Red Queen problem from Through the Looking Glass, which is essentially you have to keep running just to stay in the same place.
1: I'm not going to lie, right? I'm sorry, but listen, this is the kind of recurring theme of my day-to-day and I'm a little bit concerned that I am in the Matrix. This is the third Alice in Wonderland moment that I've had and I'm actually getting quite creeped out. It doesn't matter what's happened, listeners, but genuinely, this is the third mention of Alice in Wonderland. And I'm not one of those people who absolutely loves Alice Carroll. Alice Carroll, you know who I mean. Lewis Carroll. <laughs> See, this is the fourth time then now. Sorry, go on, continue, but that's just a glitch in the Matrix. Yeah, and welcome back to. No, but as I say, in, in
0: terms of you know, this whole issue with the takeover of this arbitration It's like, we'll, we'll inevitably see these excuses from Ashley when the window shuts and Newcastle haven't done anything. But the thing is, we've known, and I think for quite a long time, even regardless of this arbitration, this takeover wasn't going to be done in time for the new owners to actually do anything this summer. It was always going to be on Mike Ashley. And for what we do in the next month, before the window shut, that's on Mike Ashley, no matter what excuses, that he'll throw at us inevitably. As I say, when the window shuts and we've we've done bugger all.
1: I really think we need to make a bingo card. So that's got to be one of the things that Mike Ashley will say. I then want Steve Bruce to say that he's taking, he's putting the boxing gloves on or some form of handwear is coming on or being taken off. That's another (laughs) one. Um, Joel Linton is a £40 million striker. (laughs) That needs to be one. Um, Willock is the only one who can score. That's another one. Um, oh, Al- Almiron just likes to have a bit of a blast, doesn't he? I don't, yeah, I've got this bingo card sorted. I think we need it. I think that'll be hilarious every, every week when we can tick at least two of them off.
0: Well, speaking of Joe Willock, <laughs> the one bit of transfer news that has been sort of link to Newcastle. The most persistent link has been Newcastle's efforts to try and get Joe Willock back. I, I do remember actually on the last pod, I poured cold, cold water over the whole thing and it, it actually seems like Newcastle are very much trying to get him. However, you know, it's now the 2nd of August and we're still, we're still waiting. Um, now, to give some added context to this, Arsenal obviously gave that long-term deal to Emil Smith-Rowe and also they've been linked with James Madison so
1: apparently in a step up from Leicester (laughs) to Arsenal who finished below them for at least three seasons (laughs) four seasons actually now it's four
0: (laughs) but you can sort of see that you know they're obviously backing Smith-Rowe there may be um, yeah a new sort of goal scoring and creative midfielder in Madison going there if Arsenal actually decide to dig deep and splash the cash on him which I mean, I can't necessarily see it happening because I think the amount of money Leicester would want is probably going to be a bit prohibitive for them. But it does seem like there's scope to bring Joe Willock back. But, yeah, still not quite happening at the moment. (laughs) I'm going to have to read out this quote from Steve Bruce, listeners.
1: (sighs) The the absolute negotiating power of this individual (laughs) is unreal.
0: So this was Steve Bruce when, of course, asked about progress on re-signing Joe Willock. And he said, you'll have to ask Arsenal. It's their decision and it's the players' decision. Of course, we want him back. He did great with us and uh, gives us another dimension in midfield that we haven't got.
1: Got." Okay, one dimension.
0: Hey, so far, I agree with him. (laughs) And then he rounded it out saying, we'll keep bashing away at it.
1: I feel that sums up a lot of Steve Bruce.
0: I think that just sums up how Newcastle do things but also you mean, yes mean there
1: isn't a plan and you just keep smashing your face against a brick wall
0: uh, exactly. it's better what it than saying
1: like. you're bashing it out what was the other thing that you could say <laughs> 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 just <laughs> just <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to do it I'm. I'm above this. I'm above this crew. Let's <laughs> back control of
0: this podcast. But just on, on a serious note, it's a, Joe, you know he's young. He's a great prospect. It seems that we mainly just want to get him on loan. Which I mean, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't complain if we got him back on loan for the season. But it. This is mainly for me. I'm not talking from you know Sky sources or anything like that. I kind of feel like Arsenal would probably be willing to sell him either to fund Madison or just the fact that, as I say, they've clearly put their eggs in the Emil Smith row basket, shall we say. And at the end of the day, you know, he he's, he's young. We know what a prospect he is. We saw that with the impact that he had at Newcastle last season just go ahead and and try and sign him permanently because at the end of the day i mean this is basically mike ashley 101 give him 2 or 3 years when he's maybe 24 25 when he's when he's sort of approaching his peak and he's had that time to develop even further imagine the resale value you get on him it's not that it's not the attitude that i want as a fan when you've got a great exciting player you want to keep them around but just being realistic with the way ashley does things or it's basically just the way a lot of football clubs who aren't at the very top tier have to do things these days. You could probably sell him for two or three times what you might buy, buy him for now. So just just, just go for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially um, if, I, if if my, feeling, my gut feeling is right, that Arsenal probably would prefer to actually sell him permanently than just loan him out again.
1: Well, I mean... It- there's a lot on Willock, obviously, but you've also missed the really exciting news that there's potential another loan offer, not a transfer offer at all, but a loan offer of Man United defender Alex. Oh, no, I'm trying it. No, don't You've already got your so, first name it. wrong, so. Because I didn't read it. It's <laughs> Axel. <laughs> Shut up. I'm dyslexic. Axel. To... He's looking at me funny and I can't do it. <laughs> looking away is just worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm, I've got it. To and To and Zebby. To and Zebby. Twanziby. That was all right. Yeah, you know, that, was, that, was, that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. Axel I don't know why I went for. that. <laughs> I was determined. Um, but as I'm sure you're all tired of hearing it say, and also which any and who doesn't even really need a modicum of knowledge in football. Newcastle do need more than just those two reinforcements, if any of them go through, which in two weeks, the likelihood of that isn't looking too great. I'll be happy to eat my words later. However, it does seem that we're stuck with exactly the same Newcastle squad as we were last season.
0: Yeah, uh, as you said, Steve Bruce also confirmed that, yeah, the only sort of loan offers that seem to have been made are for Willock and for Axel Tuanzebe. No actual concrete transfer offers made by Newcastle yet this summer. And again, halfway through the window, I know I know the Euros obviously always throw things out a little bit, but halfway through the transfer window, that is completely unacceptable. I don't care what the budget is. Blimey. That's shocking, and also actually just.
1: I mean, you did finish twelve, so twelfth. Sorry, so you would have earned one hundred and twenty million in merit payments. So obviously, all clubs lost money. I think Premier League clubs, yes, they would have lost money, but I still don't think they can whinge about it at all because it wasn't like any of the other leagues. um So yeah, they did lose money due to the pandemic and not having fans in the stadium. But Newcastle have been in quite good finance, purely because they don't ever friggin' spend anything apart from put it in Ashley's pocket. So there must be something.
0: Yeah, it's infuriating. I, we keep reading about these you know, these very, very meagre uh, transfer budgets that Steve Bruce has to work with. And, and to be fair to Steve Bruce, his penchant for a <laughs> humiliating quote aside, it's not his fault, of course. This, is, this, is, this falls on Mike Ashley.
1: But can I just say that, right? Budgets don't roll over, right? So if you, and anybody in any form of work that requires them to have a budget knows as soon as April comes along, it doesn't matter how much or how little money you've got in that account. You're going to friggin' spend it because you'll never get it back. Spend <laughs> it on pointless stuff. It gets spent. Think, so spend it. <laughs> I
0: think it does work a bit differently in football, but
1: yeah, that's because you've got zero to start with.
0: <laughs> but as I said, well, as you, as you just said, you know, um, it's finishing twelfth last season. It's believed to have earned the club, yeah. As you said, about 120 million pounds in
1: prize
0: money. No, I'm, I'm building on it. <laughs> I and I, as you said, yeah, sure. The club obviously would have lost some money with the fans not being there, but they can't have lost that much money, is what I'm saying. I'm agreeing with you. It's it's as I say, it's absolutely infuriating because like, how can there be supposedly no money to spend? Where else has it gone? We don't spend a fortune in wages because again Mike Ashley would have to open his wallet for that so like, if, if it's not really going on wages yeah a bit of it's going to make up for the, the lost revenue from the gate receipts where's the rest of it going
1: no idea I mean the only other news because we're scraping the barrel on transfers is change of shirt numbers now for mm-hmm. listeners if anyone has ever played FIFA, this is Chris's favourite thing, to change shirt numbers of any player that he has signed in his team. Obviously, he also plays for new- he also chooses to play as Newcastle because he's a sucker for punishment and their <laughs> meagre transfer budget. But yeah, he will spend hours changing shirt numbers. So, Christopher, have the honours.
0: Yeah, well, Newcastle have a new number nine. Have we signed anyone? No. <laughs> <laughs> However, I do think it's a good move. This, of course, is Karen Wilson getting the number nine shirt. Joe has moved to number seven. There was a hilarious thing I saw on Twitter where literally about 20 minutes before the club announced the shirt change, uh, one unfortunate, or you might say foolish considering his choice of um, shirt name and number, someone had literally not 20 minutes before the announcement had got Joe number nine on the back of their shirt, which is hilarious. But... Why... Well, again,
1: a both
0: unfortunate and foolish,
1: you
0: might say. <laughs> but to be honest, I think it's a smart move. Um, a, because, I mean, well, to be honest, I think Jonathan only got it because it was vacant and because he cost so much money. As we've seen for the last two seasons, he was never really going to be able to live up to that shirt. And my hope is that him taking on a different, I well, just not having that pressure, because we know the weight that comes with that number nine, obviously Shearer wore, and we've had... A few since then of course it's never quite been lived up to fully but I think taking the weight of that shirt off him could help Joe Winton. I mean we saw he finished last season fairly strongly. Hopefully this can help him. And also it's just I think it's just a smart move for Callum Wilson as well because I think he is much more befitting of it. We know how clinical he can be in front of goal. And actually it was really nice actually the other week, to see him finally get to score in front of actual Newcastle fans in the pre-season friendly against Doncaster. And I think it's a moment that he deserves so much for, for the, what he did for us last season and obviously never getting to play in front of the fans. Of course, he was injured for those final two games, so he didn't get to play in front of us then. It was great to see. It. I mean, to be it's one of the few highlights, I think, of Newcastle's pre-season season results.
1: Yeah, but all pre-season results are a bit dodgy. You can't really put any stock in them, to be honest. But yeah. But I think I think a lot of teams aren't doing great in the pre-season. I suppose you being a Newcastle like a true Newcastle supporter, you're just pessimistic all the way through from pre season to I don't know, friendlies on a on a park around the corner. <laughs> I mean
0: yeah, I, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I'm not someone who tends to freak out too much about preseason results because there's such such strange games. It's really just about getting the fitness and. It's, it's always it's nice if they play well, but even then, it, you know, it, it doesn't mean a huge huge amount. But yeah, Newcastle haven't been too inspiring, especially because they've all been against lower league opposition so far. Losing to York City, scrape that three two win over Doncaster. One-all draw with Rotherham. And then, then we did comfortably beat Burton Albion 2-0. But again, they're all you know lower league opposition. I think Newcastle's final friendly against newly promoted Norwich next Saturday will hopefully give maybe a little bit more of an indication as to how ready we are for the start of the season. But yeah, as I say, it's not, I'm not like overly concerned now beyond just the fact that we're going into another season with no new signings and Steve Bruce still in charge.
1: Yeah, and I suppose it's difficult because you've, still, you've now got uh, Dubravka having foot surgery, so he's going to miss the start of the season. You've got Cardo, oh, I cannot speak today, Dalo <laughs> Not that I've said his name a million times before, but anyway, recovering from hospitalisation. Imagine, <laughs> what is the point of me today? Recovering from hospitalisation with covid So it does mean you've got Freddie Woodman. Ooh, maybe it's like having a new signing because (laughs) he's only played, so I only made four appearances um, for Newcastle at the moment since being part of the academy in 2013. Um, He's had none in the Premier League as well, and he is 24, so he is a young, exciting player. It would be cool to see him in action. So so maybe this is your one and only, in inverted commas, signing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to be honest, obviously... Going into the start of the season, missing Debravka and Darlow is obviously quite a blow. But genuinely, I am actually quite excited to see how Freddie Woodman gets on. He's, he's a name that you know we've certainly heard about for quite a while at Newcastle. As I say, for eight years now, he's been in the academy. But obviously, just for much of that time, obviously he's just been out on loan. But and I, I think to be fair, I think he was possibly Bournemouth. I think he was meant to be out on loan them this season, of course. For the time being, he has to stay because we need we need another goalkeeper. But
1: it's an exciting prospect for him, and
0: he's and he's reaching that age now where I think he's experienced enough to be given a go. You know, in the first team, twenty four. You know, he's he's not a super young, inexperienced player anymore. He's had experience out on the loan. He's he's got some games under his belt. Not so much for us, as you said, but I am actually genuinely looking forward to uh, to seeing him seeing him playing. You know, giving him a go because I think other, otherwise it, injuries and illnesses aside, we're otherwise actually in quite a good position with the Newcastle goalies because we know that De Braff is great and obviously there were a, a couple of mistakes m- mis- made by Darla last season, but for the most part he did earn his spot in the team when he was on the pitch because he did actually play very well for, for a decent chunk of the season. Um, so, I, As I say, setting aside the fact that two of them are not actually available right now, it's not actually that bad a situation to be in. And as I say, I hope that Woodman can can take his chance. And also actually worth noting uh, that I found out, according to Wikipedia <laughs> the other day, <laughs> uh, his godfather is none other than Gareth Southgate. So who knows? Oh, Could yeah. we actually have an England, a Newcastle player in the England squad again? No.
1: No. <laughs> no. Due to, obviously, not having a football season during this time, we did come up with a feature that obviously we've only just started now, which is kind of pointless. But we'll continue it because, let's be honest, there isn't always a great deal of news that we can talk about the Newcastle team. At least nothing that's positive and shiny and fills people with hope and happy memories. So one of our features was to come up with a Newcastle all-time 11. Now, yes, there might be maybe more than 11 because we might not agree as to who needs to go in there. And obviously, if there is any that you disagree with or any that you think you've missed, it would be great to hear about those. But we're going to start with the most boring part. You say that. I say that. Um, Yeah, but, you know, no one thinks of this when they think about starting 11, because this is now will not be 11 people, will it? This will be 12. Anyway.
0: (laughs) We are the 12th, man.
1: 13th, then. This is the 13th. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're going to start with um, the manager. So we've had a discussion, and it is now between two, Kevin Keegan and Sir Bobby Robson. And obviously I will throw in there, why isn't Rafa Benitez in there? But Chris, you can explain your um, cutting of Rafa (laughs) (laughs) later. Um, Cruelly snubbed. Yeah, he was cruelly snubbed, erased from history. And obviously, where's Bruce? (laughs) <laughs> or Big don't, Sam <laughs> don't you dare what was the other one the weird dancey dude I've already forgotten his name Pardew that's <laughs> the one that the was weird so, dancey <laughs> I'm <fair>, so quietly <laughs> to be
0: fair of all, of all the ways that you
1: could remember our Pardew the weird dance is probably the most. yeah
0: even though we actually did that at Crystal Palace
1: but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah but he'll always be linked with you you can't rid of him now it's like a it's like a stain, a stain he's, on your he's pants. He's <laughs> anyway. A stain arsehole. <laughs> anyway, so um, Kevin Keegan, managed Newcastle from 92 to 97 and in 08. So, Christopher, why does he deserve to be in Newcastle's all-time, I'm not even going to call it 11 now, all-time 13 because you've ruined it?
0: <laughs> well, to be fair, I suppose you could actually argue that he deserves a place as a player, but just talking as a manager, as you said... You
1: can't, you can't backtrack now. This is it. <laughs> You've locked him in this position.
0: <laughs> well, I might have not have because I might have gone for the Yeah, You might
1: have done, but I'm just saying you can't have him for both. That's not what, fair. Enough. Why can
0: not Antoine Griezmann? He can be a play <laughs> manager. <It's fine>.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, uh, obviously, Newcastle fans, you won't really need me to run through all this with you, but just a bit of a reminder of, you know, what happened under Keegan. Of course, in his first season, he came in partway through the 91-92 season kept us in Division 2 and then obviously got us promoted as uh, champions of the second tier in his first full season. And then, God, I mean, this... Well, to, I have to say, you know, Car and I aren't really old enough to have actually remembered this. I've seen a lot of the footage, but we were very young in these days. But, God, if only I could remember any of it because we then finished third, sixth, second and second. Now, obviously, that... That final season, obviously, he did resign partway through, as as we all know, but third, six, second, and second in consecutive seasons. Could you even imagine that these days? Good no.
1: Lord. <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be queuing up
0: to I was in the European Super League. And you know what? We, they, if, if, the, if the European Super League was a thing then, I genuinely think we would have had a shot because we were genuinely world famous at that time. We... I think we picked up so many fans around the world, and just neutrals in England as well, as the entertainers as we were known. Yeah, you know, that that thrilling attacking play, the will score one more than you attitude. Unless, of course, it's Liverpool in a four three, then they'll score one more than us. Apparently, um, but just yeah, just we were just the, we were the neutrals' favourite. We were just so exciting. We had so many. Exciting players like David Ginola, Wes Ferdinand,
1: all the things you are not today. Is that what you're saying?
0: Well, genuinely, yeah. You know, yeah. it's we were really such yeah, a phenomenal the entertainers,
1: team. Entertainers, were not you? Entertainers. That's just.
0: But I mean, I oh,
1: know I agree. I No, that's
0: what I'm saying. But you know, for for, 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 a, for a team to actually be given that nickname and for it to be widely accepted by everyone. That kind of, I think that shows you, it's, you know, you have that tribal nature of football. But when everyone goes, no, they are the entertainers. Like we were good, you know what I mean?
1: I mean, yeah, he did, you know, it was under him that Shearer was signed. Um, but I mean, to say your team was good.
0: Oh, I mean, well, obviously, we have to then acknowledge the fact that, look, well, in probably the most famous bottling of a title race in Premier League history, the ninety five ninety six season, after obviously Keegan's infamous I Would Love It rant. And to be honest, you know, he he wore his heart on his sleeve for better or worse. And unfortunately I think in the end, that probably is what did it for us because, you know, let's face it, Sir Alex Ferguson, absolute master at mind games, and he had Keegan on a plate then. And we know this. We've gone back over it for the last 25 you've, years. That, you've we all tortured know
1: yourselves over the one and only chance you have of winning within recent memory. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was great. You did return to Newcastle in January of 08 and yeah, didn't w- find a win in the first eight games. However, did have that really impressive run with your front three of Martins, Viduka and Owen. So It was a
0: really quite exciting after that, as you say, after that initial sort of difficult period where you're sort of thinking, oh God, like, should he have come back? Is this going wrong? I'm sorry. I've at the just, end of that season,
1: it was it was very good.
0: Was was really quite exciting. I mean, because of the, because of where we were when we took over, and then as I say, that difficult start. We only ended up finishing about 12th. but there was going into that summer, there was such a genuine sense of optimism. As you say, like I mean, it's such a weird front three. You had Oberfemi Martins, who was the quickest thing on the planet at the time. You had Mike Lowen, who had recovered from his injuries and actually was picking up a bit of form, and then you have like a really old but really experienced Mark Viduka, who was just like just what's well, being Mark Viduka, just bullying people basically <laughs> with his massive Australian head. Um, but it was just, just such a strange little thing, but it just it just worked, and and there was all this optimism. And then can
1: I can I say this because this has made me laugh? I've I've just seen the notes, and we all know, you know, that he did resign halfway through the season. But the reason has been put quite simply here, in black and white, on the notes that Chris has written, is at the start of the following season he resigned because Mike Ashley is a dick, and that's it. Yep. There's no further talk. And that was legally proven in court (laughs) because they had to pay Keegan quite a lot
0: in settlement because they were terrible. And they basically ruined the club legend. <laughs>
1: yeah. But yeah, no, Keegan, Keegan was hilarious. He, um, he kind of bounced around, just didn't quite always seem to know what was happening. Um, unfortunate things did happen to him quite a lot. And it just seems that he was unequivocally well, Newcastle. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, a I mean, legend. I mean he, he's, he
0: is this hilarious character where you can just sort of imagine all these just unfortunate things happening to him. It's just because it's Kevin Keegan. And we're talking about... It's a
1: cartoon character, really. We're talking isn't about yeah. someone
0: who was an incredible footballer, by the way. I think he won the Ballon d'Or as a footballer. And let's face it, as I say, I know we blew it in, in the end of the title, but we still had five very, very good years under Kevin Keegan. And... I mean, obviously, I'm not going to base this on just on the cold hard maths of his overall record compared with uh, Sir Bobby Robson's, but a pretty good record by all accounts. Two hundred seventy three games, one hundred forty five wins. That's a win percentage of fifty three percent. I would argue anyone who's got a win percentage of over fifty percent has done very well.
1: Yeah, yeah. In that's...
0: football, that's you know.
1: I mean, he's he's very he's very Newcastle. He's. Not Mister Newcastle because we all know about Sir Bobby, but I think I think his character—he's he, he,
0: he's up there, him Shearer, Sir Bobby Robson. Yeah. And, uh, and, I feel and his I feel Keegan's character and
1: and Mr. Newcastle. and, and demeaned, Basically, sums up what we consider today—a <laughs> hapless, bumbling club led by a very fortunate, unfortunately led by a uh, a dick. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But yeah, as I don't. Want to, but equally, when I say that he's this sort of hapless character, I don't mean to do him a disservice because, as I say, an absolutely phenomenal player, a, a pretty awesome man, and a very very good football manager, especially at Newcastle United. So, you know, I'm not trying to take any of that away from him. It's all, I think it, what it does is it adds to his charm. Um, but then, of course, you've got Sir Bobby, who obviously managed us from 2009 to that. Uh, 1999 to 2004 and yeah not amazing first couple of seasons and well I mean he started with that amazing high of the 8-0 win over Sheffield Wednesday in his first home game in charge but then you know a couple of 11th place finishes wasn't the most inspiring in the world but then fourth third and fifth again in consecutive seasons not quite the title challenges that we were under Kevin Keegan, but of course, you know, that's still up against a phenomenal Manchester United side. That was up against Arsenal, who were that was basically Arsenal's peak under Arsene Wenger those sort of years. A lot of competition at the top of the table. To even be to to consecutively finish, well, first of all, twice in the champ in Champions League qualification places and then fifth as well. You know, is is no mean feat. <laughs> And, of course, we had that run to the UEFA Cup semi-final as well. Obviously, we ended up losing to Marseille. but
1: And we also know that just because he was dapper, which seems to be your thing, especially with Southgate at the moment, but he uh, was an extremely um, gentleman-like man.
0: Honestly, I think you'd be hard-pushed to find anyone in, in football anywhere who was more of a gentleman than Sir Bobby Robson. I, I absolutely love that man and everything and the way he conducted himself even even though obviously he was he was very beloved and of course his run to the world cup semi finals with england at italian 90 but like some of the abuse he got from from the media in in some parts of his career and just the just the dignity that that man had is phenomenal and i have to say he does have he he is responsible for one of my favorite ever quotes about football and if you will indulge me and this is gonna be quite self indulgent. I am, like everything. <laughs> I am well look, I can't have the last quote on this on this podcast be Steve Bruce's. We're gonna keep bashing it away at it. He's
1: gonna whack them out I can not I I I c
0: I can't I can't let that be the last quote on this episode this week's episode. So I am just gonna read this quote from Sir Bobby. and You've probably heard it before, listener. But I do think it always bears repeating because I really, I really do enjoy it.
1: Get on with it. Come on.
0: <laughs> what is a club in any case? Not the buildings or the directors or the people who are paid to represent it. It's not the television contracts, get-out clauses, marketing departments or executive boxes. It's the noise, the passion, the feeling of belonging, the pride in your city. It's a small boy clambering up stadium steps for the very first time, gripping his father's hand, gawping at that Howard stretch of turf beneath him, and without being able to do a thing about it, falling in love. and I think that's such a nice romantic view of football that it's easy to say that we've lost over the last 20 years, and well undeniably, I, I think we have, with you know the money and the influx of all that and everything that goes with it in the game and agents and agents' fees and, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's easy to to lose or lose sight of that, but I think it just cuts to what we as fans do love about football. And, yeah, it's just one of my favourite ever footballing quotes.
1: I think what it does is remind you what's been ripped away from Newcastle. And, yeah. and other clubs and other clubs, but Newcastle is that prime example of what happens when your club... run by someone who doesn't care about the city or about the fans or even about the football at all.
0: Yeah, I I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. Um,
1: Anyway, cold hard facts guys, go!
0: Yeah, I mean, his his record, two hundred and fifty-five games, 119, so that's a win percentage of 46.67, so not quite as high as Kevin Keegan's, but again, a very, very respectable win percentage by almost anyone's standards there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I know who you're going to say should be the all-time manager. I think you're going to say so, Bobby, and I 100% get why. My person, I don't know this. I don't know which one he's decided I'm backing. And in fact, you need to tell me about why Raffer isn't here first off because the other <laughs> two were a joke, but Rafa. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but out of the two personally, it's probably going to make me like really upset with lots of people, but I think Keegan just purely because he's just, I have upset.
0: to say, I don't think you can upset anyone with either of these. No,
1: two it's places. true, but there's always going to be like hardliners. It might not be Ronaldo Messi level, like hardliner fans, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Um, but I do, I do think Keegan just purely because he's the epitome of all the bad luck that Newcastle have always had. <laughs> but anyway, why, why, why? In fact, no. Oh, I don't know what to do first now, Chris. What? Who would you think then? Now, so Bobby and Keegan, and then you can explain why other people will not
0: <laughs> Well, I am going to surprise you. I, as much as I absolutely adore Sir Bobby, Robertson, shit, I take it back. I want Sir Bobby. No, sorry, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I had to choose, and it, it is incredibly tough, but if I had to choose, I would go for for King Kev because, as you say, I think he just epitomises more than anything what Newcastle are about. He has a bit of that sort of chaotic spirit about him, whether intentional or not. <laughs> it is clearly unintentional.
1: <laughs> and I
0: think also, just just also just, just for a purely footballing reason, just the football, I mean, don't get me wrong, we were good under Sir Bobby, as you can see. You don't finish fourth, third and fifth in the Premier League in consecutive seasons without having a decent team. And we did have a good team in those days. But the football that we played under Kevin Keegan I, I couldn't pass that up—the chance to sort of see that again in this hypothetical, you know, Newcastle eleven-plus manager scenario—and also, again, in this sort of fantasy scenario, more than anything, I'd want to see him do it. I'd want to see us succeed. So, what you want is with to him see him
1: shouting at other managers in the Premier League today. <laughs> Because that would be
0: hilarious. Well, also they wouldn't be able to shout back at him because it would be like kicking a puppy. Oh
1: no, no. But yeah, mate. No. Oh, okay, that's great. So that's yeah. So we're actually both in agreement, listeners. I don't think that would happen.
0: Yeah, uh, just on the on the Rafa thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love Rafa Benitez, and I think he did a phenomenal job with us. And it is, a, again worth bearing in mind. He seems to be a genuinely wonderful man. I, the the. The work that he's done in in the local communities of the clubs that he's worked with in Newcastle being absolutely no exception there. The connection that he had with us as fans. I, I, I think he is, again, he is a proper gentleman and a very, very good manager. I mean, it's easy to forget that the man has won Champions League titles and league titles and so many domestic trophies.
1: It would be very interesting to see what he could do with the team that Sir Bobby and Keegan had under them at the time. Yeah. How would Benitez have managed that? How would have that would he have done better? Would he have got more out of the place? Because it as we've said, he wasn't exactly given a good hand.
0: Yeah, and that is a very good point. I, I would I would have loved to have seen what he could have done. It's all speculative, with more isn't with it? more backing, yeah. yeah. I mean hell, even with the current squad we have under Steve Bruce. Is a fair bit better than the one that Rafa had to deal yes. with. Yeah. I suspect defending would still be the order of the day, and I don't think Rafa would be the kind of manager to he's not Keegan. Get, get the entertaining play like Kevin Keegan did. But it is a shame that we're not going to, not in Newcastle anyway, get to see what he might have done with a better squad. But of course, we have seen what he's done with good squads all around Europe, and um, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on at Everton and if he can. I, mean, I, ho- I, hope, he can. I hope he can, I hope he can win those fans over because I have to say the reception he's got I know he's got the Liverpool connection but he's a good man and I think he deserves better than uh, than what he's had from some sections of the Everton fans and hopefully they can they can get behind him because I mean again Everton fans I know you've just come from Carlo Ancelotti so I know almost anyone seems like a step down but you literally had Big Sam in charge a couple of years ago I don't don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Are you saying
1: that if Madison went to Everton, that would be a step up for Rafa? No. No, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just pointing out the absurdity of that remark. It really pissed me off. Anyway. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, but ultimately, as much as I love Rafa, he, he couldn't really compare to, to the other guys. Um, and yeah, as I say, ultimately, yeah, for me... It, a very tough choice, but I would slightly go for Kevin Keegan. But yeah, so Bobby. I mean, to have Sir Bobby back well, alive would be amazing. But
1: yeah, he was too well dressed for Newcastle. He doesn't <laughs> represent Newcastle because he didn't have his shirt off, and I can see Keegan <laughs> having his shirt off.
0: Oh, Keegan. if we won something, Keegan's shirt would yeah, be off. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much all we've got time for this week. Um, so that that's the manager taken care of. As we go through each week, we'll do another position or two. So we'll probably start. I guess with are the goalkeeper and, and work our way forwards because, uh, well, I can probably guess because who is it's Excessive what,
1: compulsive at least who life. one of the
0: forwards is going to be. I <laughs> yeah. think you, you might be able to it's guess. It's nice to it?
1: say it's going to be um, I'm trying to think of any other forwards that aren't good.
0: Which are lots. <laughs> we all know it's going to be short.
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, in the meantime, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and leave us a, a positive review, that would be absolutely amazing. And Again, until next time, this has been Magpies Restricted, and I've been your host Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. No problem all. And thank you, listeners.
1: Bye. Bye. Time that badly.
0: <laughs> this podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.